0: Good morning, welcome to worship at First United Methodist Church in Martinsville, Virginia. It is a pleasure to greet you in the name of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. This is the day that the Lord has made.
1: Let us rejoice and be glad in it. Our call to worship this morning is a little bit unusual. It's actually a question
0: that John Wesley asked about this text, or asked his readers about this text in his notes on the Bible. John Wesley, who lived from 1703 until 1791, is the founder of Methodism. And uh, our call to worship this morning is a question that he gives us to ponder as we encounter this morning's gospel lesson. He that had received one made his having fewer talents than others a pretense for not improving any. When hid his master's money, reader, art thou doing the same? Art thou hiding the talent God hath lent thee?
2: What token? What, what word?
1: us unite our hearts and
0: voices in our opening prayer. Loving Lord, we give what we have, knowing that it can never be perfect and never enough. We bring who we are. We bring our talents, the gifts you have given us, the people you have made us to be, knowing that you accept us and loved us. Use our lives and our living to build your people. Use your people to build a better world. Use this world to show the beauty of life with you. When we get complacent or downhearted, teach us to count our blessings. And when we count our blessings, teach us to pray for those who
1: need your blessing. Amen. I would like to ask for the attention of the children now for children's time.
0: This morning we have a parable, which is a story that Jesus told. And it's actually a pretty well-known story. It's called the parable of the talents. A talent was actually a unit of money. So, in the story itself, we're talking about money. A master goes away on a long trip, and he has three servants. And he gives 5 talents to one servant, and 2 talents to the next servant, and only 1 talent to the last servant? Well, the first servant, the one who has five talents, doubles them. He invests the money well and trades and just does really well and makes five more talents. And the second servant does the same thing. He takes his two and he doubles his money. And so he has four to return to his master when his master gets back from his trip. But the third servant, the one who was only given one because the master just didn't really think that he had, I don't know, that he had the skills to really do much with it, he didn't do anything with it. He buried the, the talent. He dug a hole in the ground and literally buried the money. So when the master came back, he hadn't lost anything. That, that, that servant was able to give him back his one talent but nothing more, because he hadn't done anything with it. Now, in our day, when we actually talk about this parable, we talk about talents, not money. We actually talk about the gifts that God has given to us to to serve him. Some people have a lot of talents. They can sing, they're great speakers, they're great writers, they're great business people, they just have all sorts of talents. And some people, well, they might not have as many talents. Maybe they only have one talent, and maybe they don't feel good about it. Maybe it's a talent that they don't like. They wish that they could sing really well, even though they do have a talent, they can write really well. They don't want to use that talent because they don't have the talent they want. Or maybe they just don't feel confident enough using that talent. Or maybe they feel like other people don't think their talent is very important. Well, what this story tells us is that God gives us talents for a reason. And God wants us to use those talents to the fullest of our ability. Whether they're the talent we wanted, whether they're the talent we feel confident using, whether they're the talent that we think other people are, appreciate, doesn't matter. Doesn't matter. God has given to each one of us something to do. And he wants us to do it with a fullness of heart. And the way that we can do that is by trusting him. Trusting him that he gave us this talent for a reason. And trusting him that there will be a reason for us to actually use it and use it well. So this week I want you to think about what you're good at. What your talents are. What God has equipped you to do. And think about how you can do that better and better and better as a way to honor God, and God will make it so.
1: Thanks for listening. As we prepare to hear the words of scripture, let us pray. Gracious God, move
0: among us, within us, and around us if necessary, that your kingdom might come and your will be done according to your living word this day.
1: Through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. Our Old Testament lesson this morning is Psalm 123.
0: To you I lift up my eyes, O you who are enthroned in the heavens. As the eyes of the servants look to the hand of their master... As the eyes of a maid to the hand of her mistress, so our eyes look to the Lord our God until he has mercy upon us. Have mercy upon us, O Lord, have mercy upon us, for we have had more than enough of contempt. Our soul has had more than its fill of the scorn of those who are at ease, of the contempt of the proud.
1: The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Amen. Our gospel lesson
0: this morning is found in the 25th chapter of Matthew's gospel, beginning with the 14th verse. For it is as if a man going on a journey summoned his slaves and entrusted his property to them. To one he gave five talents, to another two, to another one, to each according to his ability. Then he went away. His master said to him, "'Well done, good and trustworthy slave. "'You have been trustworthy in a few things, "'and I will put you in charge of many things. "'Enter into the joy of your master.'" Then the one who had received the one talent also came forward saying, "'Master, I knew that you were a harsh man, "'reaping where you did not sow "'and gathering where you did not scatter seed. "'So I was afraid, "'and I went and hid your talent in the ground.'" here you have what is yours but his master replied you wicked and lazy slave you knew did you that I reap where I did not sow and gather where I did not scatter then you ought to have invested my money with the bankers and on my return I would have received what was my own with interest so take the talent from him and give it to the one with the ten talents for to all those who have more will be given and they will have an abundance. But from those who have nothing, even what they have will be taken away. As for this worthless slave, throw him into the outer darkness, where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. This is the gospel of our Lord Jesus
1: Christ. Thanks be to God. Amen. I begin this sermon with a degree of sadness
0: that my family lacks a colorful story of buried treasure. I have two colleagues in ministry, Brooke and Alex, who have family stories in which a grandfather or a great-grandfather responded to the Great Depression by taking what little money they had and either hiding it behind the walls or between the walls of of the house, in Brooke's family's case, or by putting it in mason jars and burying it in the front yard, in Alex's family's case. And in both cases, the money was never found. Again, I'm I'm unsure of whether these stories are actually true or whether they were just told to Brooke and to Alex when they were little boys to keep them busy, tapping on walls and digging holes in the yard in an attempt to find hidden or buried treasure. We have colorful characters in my family but as far as I know no buried treasure to be found. I thought about that this week because of today's gospel text also about buried treasure or at least buried talents. Jesus is in the midst of telling some parables that are a little bit scary chapter 25 of matthew's gospel is full of these scary parables before the one that we read this morning there is the cautionary tale about the bridesmaids waiting on the groom which we heard about last week they're waiting in the dark five of the bridesmaids are foolish and didn't bring any oil to light their lamps five are prepared the word comes down the line that the groom is on the way and the five who are prepared go to meet him but the foolish ones have to head to the equivalent of Home Depot to stock up on oil. When they get back, the door is locked and the foolish ones are left out in the cold despite their desperate knocking on the door. It's a scary parable because few of us are always, always prepared. The parable that comes after this one is the story of the last judgment in which Jesus divides those who come before him based on how they treated him in life to some he says you took care of me you clothed me when i was naked you fed me when i was hungry you visited me when i was in prison and the ones who are recognized say when did that happen and jesus says whenever you did it for the least of these my brothers and sisters you did it for me you see where this is going don't you The next group didn't do any of those things, and they got sent into outer darkness because they weren't looking for Jesus amidst the poor. That's a scary parable because we don't always look at people we meet every day as if we are looking at Jesus. Then there's this parable about a man who goes away on a long trip and gives each of his servants a large amount of money based on their ability. One gets five talents, another gets two, and one gets only one talent. The man has gone for a long time, and during that time, the first servant trades with the money that he's been given, invests in a few mutual funds and some real estate, and doubles his money. The second one buys some shares of stock, makes some credit default swaps, and doubles his money. And the third one... Well, he goes off and digs a hole and buries the one talent he's been given. The master comes back and, well, you know the pattern by now. Some are prepared and some are not. Some see Christ in the poor and some do not. Some take what they've been given and do something with it and others don't. Like the foolish bridesmaids and the goats in the other parables... The last servant ends up in the dark on the outside in a place where the hottest hits on the soundtrack are wailing and gnashing of teeth. I've always wanted to take up for the last servant though. I mean, surely it must have made sense for him to try to hold on to what he had been given. The servants were given their money, each according to his ability, so when the master gave him the least amount of money, it must have seemed like a vote of no confidence. If the master doesn't trust me with as much money as the others, then maybe I'm not that competent. Maybe the master doesn't think much of me, and he likes me less than the others, so they have room for error, but I don't. So, of course, he digs a hole. There's too much at stake. He doesn't know what the master is going to do, so better just give the master back what he had given out rather than risk falling further in his estimation what else do you do when you don't feel confident in yourself if it's all up to you and you don't think you're up to it you play it safe you dig a hole you hope what little you have will get you through you don't expect to grow and expand a lot in your life so When it's all up to you and you don't think you're up to it, how often have we been there? That's what makes these parables scary. They demand faithfulness, and far too often we know what is required is or feels like more than we've got. Have you ever had trouble being faithful? Have you ever doubted that you had what it takes to be a disciple of Jesus Christ? Do you hear these parables and get a little bit nervous? Do you hear the demands of the gospel and feel a little bit worried? Do you hear the call of God and wonder if God has dialed the wrong number? Do you see the eyes of Jesus looking at you and look over at you, over your shoulder because surely he must be looking at someone else? Do you feel the spirit moving and hesitate to jump on for the ride? Do we have it in us to be faithful, to use the gifts with which we have been entrusted instead of losing them, or burying them, or ignoring them. What is that bumper sticker? What would you do if you knew you could not fail? Or we, will we always be the foolish ones, the goats, the servants who dig a hole to store what little dignity we can muster so that at least we won't lose that? This is no way to live, and it is not the good news that Jesus intends. The master of the story recognizes it, too. Faithfulness must be more than a hole in the ground, a hole in the ground that will hold a few small tokens. If you think that these parables from the 25th chapter of Matthew's gospel are scary, keep reading. Chapter 26 is is worse. The first disciples, the one who were seated at Jesus' feet as he told these parables, who saw his eyes as he told them, who watched his back as they followed him, These disciples had every reason to be faithful, and they begin to fall away. The plot to kill Jesus thickens. A group of powerful leaders plan his arrest and death. A woman comes to him while he sits at the table of a leper and breaks a costly jar of perfume over his head, and no one recognizes that she is anointing him in the same way that one would anoint a dead body. They gather together in a house for a Passover meal, and Jesus says that one of these disciples will betray him and that all of them will desert him. And Peter, it had to be Peter, of course, protests, no, Lord, I would never desert you. Jesus says, Peter, you will deny me three times before the rooster crows at dawn. No, Peter says, they all say it together. Even if we must die with you, we would never deny you. But later they go up to a lonely garden to pray, and Peter can't even stay awake to watch. Jesus is arrested. The trial is rigged. The die is cast. It will all end in death. The disciples melt away, and Peter spends his vigil in the courtyard doing exactly what he swore he would never do. Even as I must die with you, he had said, and yet he denies Jesus three times. The rooster crows. The cross awaits. Those who swore to be faithful are nowhere to be seen. If this is so, if what it takes to be faithful is something that not even his first disciples could could muster, then what hope is there for you and for me who have trouble even caring for what little we have? I think our hope is in the second servant. The first servant is the super confident one. He's like the kid in class who always had the right answer. He's like the person who always knows exactly the right thing to say. He's like the person who always seems to be in the right place at the right time to make a way for himself. So it's hard for many of us to relate to the first servant. Besides, he's been given five talents. The master knows what he can do, and sure enough, he does it. The second servant, though, he's the one in the middle, not as competent as the first one. He's not given as much as the first one. He could doubt himself, too. He could pull back and not put his gifts at risk. He could spend the time while the master is away hoarding the money and shrinking back from the world and digging a hole in which to place it, but, but that's not what he does. What the second servant does is to continue to operate as if he is the most competent person on the staff. He may not have as much work, with, as work to do as the first servant, but he can do something with what he does have. He can double what he's been given. He can trust that what he has is not enough. He can believe that, that it's not all up to him, that he has what he has, Not because he deserves it, but because he has been entrusted with it by his master who knows what he can do. He's not alone. He has his master's confidence. The same was true for the first servant, but not the last who lives out of fear and a lack of trust. These are days when we are being asked to do some radically countercultural things. We can face those uncertain days by pulling in and shrinking back and closing ourselves off from the world. We can live out of fear. Or we can remember that Jesus responded to the fear of the world by opening his arms. He offered his back to the scourge and his face to those who would spit upon him. He offered his life trusting that God would do more with his death than he could do by holding himself back from the worst, that the world could do to him. What we think about God and then do in response to the master's trust in us is neither trivial nor incidental. We have real choices and power with real consequences resulting from the ways that we use our freedom. What we do or fail to do shapes this world and our lives. In the words of Bob Dylan, you're going to have to serve somebody. So, where have you been digging holes in your life? How are you living out of fear instead of trusting that God has something for you to do? Times of great distress are also times of great opportunity. Where are you going to go with God? Is it to the joy of your master or is it to the darkness of wailing and gnashing of teeth and the deep regrets of having squandered the gifts that we have been given use it or lose it the choice is before us
1: the adventure is on thanks be to god amen
3: Tis the gift to be simple Tis the gift to be free Tis the gift to come down where you ought to be. And when we find ourselves in the place just right T'will be in the valley of love and delight When true simplicity is gained To bow and to bend We shan't be ashamed. To turn, turn will be our delight. Till by turning, turning, we come round right. Tis the gift to be simple. Tis the gift to be free. Tis the gift to come down. place just right, t'will be in the valley of love and delight.
1: And now with the boldness of children of God, let us pray as our Lord has taught us. Our
0: Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation But deliver us from evil.
1: For thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory forever. Amen.
4: I'm going to.
1: And now may you go forth in peace.
0: Know that you are not alone. Go into the world surrounded by God's love, supported by God's people, and strengthened by the knowledge that God will be with us. Amen.